2: Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
0: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
2: We begin with an unusual and dangerous weather situation out west. Southern California is dealing with its first tropical storm in 84 years. Tropical Storm Hillary came ashore last night with 40 mile an hour winds and about a year's worth of rain for the region. Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass is warning of dangerous flash floods and mudslides.
3: The worst of the rains is potentially left to come. And our primary mission, of course, is to protect the lives of Angelenos and their property.
2: On top of the wind and the rain, a 5.1 magnitude earthquake struck about 80 miles northwest of Los Angeles yesterday. There were no reports of damage or injuries from that, but hundreds of flights have been canceled due to Hillary. And the nation's second largest school district in Los Angeles has closed all its campuses today.
0: So how much more rain can California expect and when will it all end? We bring in Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn for the details. Rob.
4: Karen and Nathan, Hillary, a tropical storm now well northeast of the Los Angeles area. It'll continue to move in over the Central Valley of California, become a remnant low today. Southern California has seen their heaviest rains. Uh, the rain has now in the process of tapering off. It's now a problem for the Central and Northern Valley of California, also western portions of uh, Nevada, and then on up into uh, eventually the Pacific Northwest. Many areas will see two to four inches of rain. There'll even be some snow in portions of the southern Sierra. I'm Rob Carolyn, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Rob, thank you. Another
2: disaster we're keeping our eye on this morning is those deadly wildfires in Hawaii. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden head to Maui today. They'll meet with first responders and survivors. At least 114 people have died. Search teams are still combing through the rubble to recover victims.
0: Well, Nathan, we to politics now in the race for president. Donald Trump is confirming he will not participate in this week's Republican debates. The former president says he will skip the debates because he is ahead in the polls by a wide margin. Instead, he plans to do an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson.
2: Turning to markets, Karen, China is very much in focus again this week, and there's a surprise there. Chinese banks have made a smaller than expected cut to their benchmark lending rate. The move is the latest sign of Beijing's determination to steer clear of big stimulus even as deflationary risks grow, but not everyone's convinced. Christy Tan, investment strategist at Franklin Templeton, believes the government will be forced to ramp up support.
1: There are now increasing calls that China may not actually be able to meet its 5% full-year target. I think there will be more policy coordination that will be needed for that confidence to be restored or at least reduce the pessimism in the investors' confidence.
2: Christy Tan at Franklin Templeton notes a number of banks have downgraded their forecasts for China. J.P. Morgan, Barclays and Morgan Stanley all now think the country will not hit its 5% growth target.
0: Well, back here in the U.S., Nathan, the big event comes later this week in Wyoming where central bankers meet for their annual gathering in Jackson Hole. And for more, we're joined by Bloomberg's John Tucker.
3: John. And Karen, as Fed Chair Jay Powell prepares for the meeting, the central bankers, he can boast low unemployment and economic growth. that's slowing and may achieve a soft landing. But he can't exactly declare victory over inflation just yet. And that's a sentiment underscored by Bloomberg Markets Live Pulse survey. 79% of respondents say interest rates and inflation will remain higher for years to come. More than half also say when the Federal Reserve eventually starts cutting rates... The primary reason is going to be disorderly weakness in financial markets. Well, Our ears are going to perk up Friday morning, and that's when the chair Powell expected to speak at Jackson Hole. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: Okay, John, thank you. And join us for comprehensive live coverage from Jackson Hole this Friday. We'll have a special four-hour edition of Bloomberg Surveillance starting at 8 a.m. Wall Street time, plus interviews with several Fed officials at the event. Our podcast listeners can also download special coverage and prominent interviews on the odd lot podcast with Joe Weisenthal and uh, Tracy Alloway.
0: Well, on Wall Street, Nathan, we're coming off a third straight week of losses for the S&P 500, and that may present a buying opportunity, according to Goldman Sachs. The firm's strategists led by David Costin, say the drop in equities will be short-lived if the U.S. economy continues on its path to a soft landing. Goldman says most companies have emerged from blackout periods, suggesting equity demand from buybacks could increase in the coming weeks.
2: Well, Karen, Tesla has been hit hard over those past three weeks. The shares have fallen nearly 20%. And now we're learning more about Tesla's data breach from May. It's being blamed on insider wrongdoing that's affected roughly 75,000 people. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The data breach included employee-related records appearing to be current or former employees of Tesla. Foreign media outlet named Handelsblatt informed Tesla in May that it had obtained the confidential information. It says the two former Tesla employees misappropriated the information in violation of Tesla's IT security and data protection policies and then shared it with the media outlet. Tesla has reportedly cooperated with law enforcement and external forensics experts and says it will continue to do so. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak.
0: All right, Ed, thanks. And on the earnings front this week, there's one very big name on the schedule. This Wednesday, we get results from NVIDIA. The chipmaker has been at the center of the artificial intelligence craze this year. It is 5.07 on Wall Street time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris.
3: Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Record-setting temperatures in Dallas and all across Texas over the weekend. That scorching heat wave continues to bake huge swamps of the U.S. Meteorologist Sarah Barnes is with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth, Dallas, and she says there's a persistent high-pressure dome that's kept temperatures well above 100 degrees for most of the summer.
5: A lack of rainfall, uh, ongoing and worsening drought conditions, and these are all combining to... um, basically send our temperatures skyrocketing.
3: Temperatures reached 108 degrees in Dallas over the weekend, creating dangerous health conditions and increasing risk for wildfires. More than a thousand flights have been canceled just yesterday. More than five thousand de- more delayed because of Tropical Storm Hillary on the West Coast. Hundreds more flights have been canceled for today and another 250 have been delayed. One of former President Trump's arguments regarding his handling of the classified documents is that he had the power to declassify those documents before he left office. But multiple sources are telling ABC now that Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, told investigators that he was never aware of any effort to do that. And now former Vice President Mike Pence is saying the same thing. There is
2: a process uh, that uh, the White House goes through to declassify materials. I'm aware of that occurring on on several occasions uh, over the course of our four years. But I uh, Uh, I don't have any knowledge of any any broad-based directive from the president. But that that doesn't mean it didn't occur. I just it's not something that I ever heard about.
3: Former Vice President Mike Pence says the declassification of those documents is something he would expect Meadows to have known about. One Republican senator believes former President Trump should just drop out of the presidential race for 2024. Bill Cassidy of Louisiana tells CNN State of the Union Americans will not vote for a candidate who's been convicted.
2: We may have a candidate for president who has been convicted of a crime. Um, I think Joe Biden needs to be replaced. But I don't think Americans will vote for someone who's been convicted.
3: Cassidy called the charges against Trump related to the mishandling of classified documents, quote, a slam dunk. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Karen.
0: All right, Amy, thank you. It is 509 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update with Dan Schwartzman. Dan.
4: Good morning, Karen. Starting out in Major League Baseball, the Mariners are the hottest team in the sport, winners of six in a row as they finish off a three-game sweep of the Astros in Houston, winning game three, seven to six. Elsewhere, is the Yankees doing something they have not done since 1995, that is losing eight games in a row, Boston finishes off a sweep in the Bronx, six to five. Play Holmes blowing this one for New York. It was the Giants getting past the Braves in Atlanta, four to three, and it was Dallas keichel nearly perfect.
2: And in the air to right,
1: going back, approaching the wall,
2: and it is off the wall. There's the
5: perfect game gone, the no hitter gone. Brian Reynolds doubles off the wall and right,
4: and it brings the tying run to the plate. That's courtesy of MLB Network. Heichel perfect into that seventh inning before Brian Reynolds breaks up that perfect game. Twins, though, take it 2 0. Elsewhere, Mets fall to the Cardinals 7 to 3. Orioles all over the A's in Oakland 12 to 1. The Nationals slipping past the Phillies 4 to 3 in the Lily Classic in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. NFL preseason action the Saints improved to 2 0. As they knock off the Chargers 22-17, Jameis Winston 13-21, of 169 passing yards. It looks like Aaron Rodgers will be making his Jets debut on the field come Saturday against the New York Giants in the preseason finale. The 39-year-old has participated in every training camp practice so far but has yet to suit up in a game. That's your Bloomberg Sports Update. I'm Dan Schwartzman.
1: The countdown has begun.
3: Good
2: morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We're headed into a new trading week with stocks on a three-week losing streak. Earnings season's winding down. Investor focus is very much likely to turn to Jackson Hole, Wyoming for the annual central bank meeting coming up at the end of the week. But ahead of that, we're joined this morning by Lori Calvasina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, how much of a focus is Jackson Hole for you? What are you going to be listening for from the chairman?
5: Well, thanks for having me, as always. And look, I think it has to be a focus this week. It's a pretty light data week otherwise. And as you mentioned, earnings are winding down, not that we learned all that much from earnings to begin with. Um, I think that you know, our rate strategists have not anticipated uh, the Jackson Hole commentary as being a big game-changer. Nonetheless, it does feel like markets are worried heading into it. I think there's a concern that we might get some hawkish commentary. Um, So I'm really going to be listening to see if we actually get that tone. Um, I think that investors on the equity side, at least, really want Chairman Powell to address this idea of higher-for-longer. And the other concern that we've seen percolating in the equity community lately is just uh, the idea that inflation you know, may come roaring back next year. I wouldn't say that there's any you know, sort of fantastic reasons why people are worried about it, but it is a concern. So I think people are going to be looking for anything that Chairman Powell might have to say in terms of have they won the battle on inflation yet and when they think they'll have won it.
2: Uh, in our past conversations, you've talked about how stocks could be up for some choppiness heading into the rest of this year. Could the commentary we get from uh, the central bankers play into that at all?
5: I, I think it could. I mean, I'm I sort of scratching my head trying to figure out how we could have, you know, sort of a dovish outcome. Maybe it won't be, you know, sort of as hawkish as feared, and we've already sort of, you know, been selling off heading into this week. I do think that just in addition to the fact that we've had kind of this information vacuum, really, so to speak, on earnings, um, and these sort of 2024 fears starting to percolate, I do think that, you know, volumes have been sluggish in August, as, as is typically the case. Um, and this has, over the last five years, really been sort of August, September, October, the markets do tend to trip up a bit, uh, at least on the equity side. So, um, I, you know, my, my view is really a little more worried heading into Friday than anything else. But, you know, we have already been
2: selling off. I think I heard you twice mention that we didn't learn much from earnings season in the second quarter here. What were you expecting to learn from earnings, and how did the second quarter season set us up for the rest of the year?
5: You no, know, it's you know if my frustration's coming through, you know it's been a long reporting season. My team, we we try to read through as much as we can of the S and P 500 commentary, and we just felt like we didn't learn all that much. And I'm not quite sure what we expected, um, but you know, we I think what we had been hoping for was maybe a hint of some of the new narratives that are going to dominate trading over the next, you know, say maybe two to four quarters, um, because it does feel like all the old narratives, inflation pricing, all that stuff is is starting to dwindle. Um, but other than AI and inventory destocking, um, there, there just hasn't been really a lot coming out that, that's been useful to us, frankly. And I think, you know, I, I kind of think back in recent years, this is the time of year when investors always start to turn their attentions to 2024 or the year ahead. And we, we, I guess we had been hoping we would get some of those breadcrumbs, and we just weren't really hearing a lot. The, the outlook commentary on a longer-term basis beyond, say, a quarter was just very, very thin.
2: On a shorter-term basis, we have seen a few straight week losses here for stocks. We've heard from strategists at Goldman Sachs saying that might present a buying opportunity. Do you see it that way, at least in the short term, that we could see a little bit of movement back into stocks?
5: So our target at year end is forty two fifty. Some of our models point to more upside than that. We have one that gets us as high as forty eight hundred, being a justifiable number. Um, I think that both, you know, kind of outcomes are valid here. But we have kept the target at forty two fifty because we've been very, very concerned about what we've been starting to see on some of the sentiment indicators, which is, you know, if you look at the AAII net bullishness, it's been about one standard deviation above the mean in terms of, you know, being overly biased in favor of the bulls. Um, So I think we've still got some work to do to get that indicator, you know, sort of farther away from worrisome territory. Um, So I'm not sure I'm I'm in a position where I feel like I should be pounding the table in the very short term. I feel like maybe this weakness has yet to fully play out. Um, That being said, as I peer into next year, Um, You know, we haven't put out a formal target yet, but we have started to look at what our models are saying about next year. And we're still seeing the cross asset models are cautious, but some of the other models are a little more constructive. So I'm certainly not in the big bad bear camp like some of my
2: colleagues.